Welcome to 3C Amplified. I'm your host, Jacqueline Destreps, here to highlight the businesses, nonprofits, and individuals collaborating to amplify their impact in the community. This series is sponsored by Another Hand Advantage, where I create marketing strategies for community-minded small businesses and nonprofits that fit your schedule and budget while making your brand stand out in front of your audience. Joining me today is Ashley Nevison, founder and CEO of nonprofit Sergeant's Army. Now listen in as we dive into her philosophy that together we can make a difference and small acts of kindness really add up. Hi, Ashley. So nice to meet you finally and get a chance to talk with you today. It's a pleasure. I'm super excited to talk to you. <laughs> so, um, gosh, I'm, I don't even know where to start. I just, I heard about your story. I actually heard about a project that you had done, um, from your mom. She shared it in a Facebook group, uh, around giving Tuesday. And I reached out to her immediately. It was like, oh my gosh, I need to talk to your daughter. I need to have her on the show because I just think it's so amazing what you're doing and that you are 14 years old. Yes. <laughs> um, and so I just was like, oh my gosh, I need to have her on because I know that there are so many uh, people out there who are, will be listening to this and either they have um, a young adult in their life and they want to get them involved in something, or maybe they're even an adult and what you're doing is going to inspire them to do something as well. So I'm excited to have you here and talk to you about how this all started. So can you just kind of give some background? What? oh my gosh, like I said, where do we even start? Well, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. So yeah. I'm 14 years old from Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and I love giving back to my community. I've been giving back to my community since I can remember. I mean, I've been reading to kindergartners through fourth graders when I was really little, assisting as my ballet teacher's assistant at dance. And then just recently, I, or actually two years ago, I started my own nonprofit organization, which is my 501c3 called Sergeant's Army, where I make cat toys, blankets, and essential workers get, or not essential workers, but cat toys and blankets go to the, um, shelters for the cats, and then the hygiene items that I make in hope bags, which I call them, go to homeless organizations across Arizona. Wow. So that is that is awesome. So what is the name of your organization? So my organization is called Sergeant's Army. And I love the story behind how you got that name. So share with us a little bit about how that name came about. Yeah, so my cat was called Sergeant, and he sadly passed away from cancer. Two years ago, we knew he had cancer, but he died very unexpectedly. The doctor said that he had a couple more years, but one day when I was at school, my mom came home and he just couldn't move. So she made the tough decision to put him down and out of his misery. I mean, I wish he was still with us here today, but I wouldn't want him to suffer. So he's now no longer with us, but his memory still lives on. I wanted to do something to honor him and make sure that I never forgot him because he was my favorite cat and Everyone loved him. Whenever he met someone, he would always just go run up and sit in their lap. He was that friendly cat. I honestly considered him as like a cat dog because he was <laughs> kind of like a dog. But yeah, yeah. 
But then I started making uh, cat toys and blankets out of my mom's old leftover fabric scraps. Since since I'm a dancer, she makes all of my dance costumes, and there's a lot of fabric scraps. So I then use those fabric scraps to make cat toys and blankets so the fabric scraps don't harm our environment and go into the landfills. I kind of reuse them and then give them a new purpose. And cat toys don't really need to be one specific color. Like, I find it more fun when they're all different mix of mixes of <laughs> colors and, like, like you'll have like a red and a pink one for Valentine's Day. It's really fun to make them because I get to use my imagination of what I want them to look like. But after the pandemic started, I wanted to use my sewing skills to then help essential workers and healthcare providers by making over a uh, 1,000 masks for them. And then when I was donating uh, some of my masks to an outreach program in Mesa, Arizona, I wanted to continue to help the homeless population. So I then received 501c3 status by the IRS. And then I started immediately fundraising. I've raised currently to date over $22,000 in grants. Wow. Yeah, it's it's, amazing. It's been a crazy past five months. (laughs) I know that is. So kind of going back to when you were talking about your cat, so cat person myself. So again, when as soon as I saw that in your story, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to meet Ashley. But also crazy. I growing up, I had a cat named Sarge. Oh, so I I know. So I was like, oh my gosh. Um, Okay, so so you. Where did it start though? Where did you start with seeing that need? What made you, I mean, I understand with the cat toys and you thought, oh my gosh, there's these scraps and it'd be fun to make some cat toys. But where, where did you come up with as far as the hope bags? Where did you, what was your motivation for taking on that specific need in our community? So after I gave the first 10 masks to the homeless population, I know 10 really isn't a lot, but one of my best friends reached out to me and was like, hey, I know you're making masks. Can you give some to this organization I partner with? So I was like, totally. So I got immediately to work and wanted to get them out as soon as possible. So that Tuesday, which is when they come to the park and they have all the homeless people come and they give them food, warm clothes when it's winter, when it's summer, they give them like summery clothes. Cause I mean, in Arizona, it's not really that cold (laughs) right right kind of really hot here but um they give them hygiene items and I was going to the hygiene item table because that's where they had the masks and I saw that they were really low on a couple items so I then wanted to create a hygiene item kind of kit that had soap shampoo conditioner um razors for the older kit for the older people they had deodorant they had combs a toothbrush caps and now I am so lucky that I just received um, socks from Divvy Up, which they now all go, socks go in each bag. And during the winter, I've now added hats, scarves, and gloves, which I've personally made all the scarves by myself, which oh, wow. is a lot of scarves, but it's <laughs> totally worth it because I love making every single thing. It gives it more of a personal feeling to it and then packing everything. I hand pack everything by myself. To date, I have given out over 3,200 hope bags, which is an amazing amount for the past five months. And this year's my goal is to get to 10,000. Oh, wow. But the real reason why I really started the hope bags part was just that I I like to, whenever I see a problem, I like to find that problem and then fix it. I know that I can't fix every single thing in my community and I can't make sure that every single um, person that's homeless does have something, but I can definitely make my part and help get the world a better place. And I spread my message 
to everyone I meet that if you see a problem, make sure that you step in and you fix it. Because the more of us that work together, the bigger the impact we can make as a group. Because I mean, I can make an impact, but if me and you work together to make an impact, we're going to make a tub twice the devil and more, more of a collective group together. Oh, most definitely. I definitely hear you on that one. <laughs> that was, you know, that was one of my motivations when I started my podcast. So I'm going to my third year of the 3C Amplified show. And that was one of my big things is I was seeing in the community, so many people felt like, oh, I, what I'm doing isn't enough, or there's no way what I'm doing can make a difference. And I'm, as a small business owner, I saw other business owners feeling this way too. Like, oh, I'm just a solopreneur. I'm just a single person, you know, in my business. And so I really wanted to show them different ways that, you know, you can collaborate with other business owners or partner with other nonprofits out there and, and just make a bigger business, make a bigger impact out of that. So that's super cool that you, you know, you see that as well. And you're seeing that, you know, at, at 14. So one of the things I, so when you talked about kind of um, how big you've grown in the last five months and kind of what your ambitions are for this year. How are you kind of getting that message out there? Are you using, obviously you're using social media, but what are some unique ways that you've used your social media in order to help your cause? So as you said, I do use social media. So I do have a Instagram account and then I have a TikTok account that I spread the message of what I do, how I'm doing it, how you can get involved in what I'm doing. Because like I said earlier, the more people that we can have come together and make an impact, the bigger the impact. But another fun thing that I started a couple weeks ago was my own podcast, which is called One World, One Future. And it's all about highlighting change makers around the world who make a difference in their community to help others either get involved in volunteering or continue their volunteer journey and branch out from what they're directly doing. I have started or I've done a lot of volunteerism throughout my 14 year old 14 years on this planet. <laughs> um, but I love talking to different people and having their story be shared because I learn stuff that I like to go do and stuff mm -hmm. that they're doing, which is really amazing because, I mean, I kind of have a background on what they're doing because I like to do my research before I interview them. But talking to them, my podcast is bite-sized, so it's 15 to 30 minutes at most because personally, I... I like to sit through long podcasts and like long shows, but 15 minutes for me, since I do go to a normal school and I do dance 20 to 25 hours a week, it's nice to squeeze in that 15 minutes when I have time to listen to how someone else is making a difference in their community. But I interview them and I let their sh them share their story about what they do, how they do it, and how other people can get involved. But I've promoted on my podcast, which I'm actually working on my episode about myself, uh, actually right now, um, which is all about what I do and my nonprofit, Sergeant's Army, which is really exciting. And I'm super excited for that to get published. Yeah, very cool. So when you started thinking about doing the podcast, how did you, where did you even know to get started? So in my Giving Tuesday Sparks project, which I haven't said it yet, but my project was an outerwear drive. So that's actually kind of how I added the outerwear into my hope bags. I wanted to have one person in each state give a piece of outerwear to a outreach program in their area. 
Now, this year, I didn't, uh, unfortunately, I didn't reach that goal, but I got 36 states and a couple countries as well, which was really amazing. That's very cool. (laughs) Yeah, it's a super big impact of what we did as a group. I had a lot of people participate, but this year I'm doing the same project again, and I know exactly what I need to do and how I need to accomplish it this time. And this year, I'm hoping to get all 50 states and one person in each state which I know a lot of people are, I've already reached out to them and I know they're going to come back and help me with this year's project. And I'm going to reach out to even more people in the States that I didn't get, but I have the opportunity to be on a radio station in Montana to talk about my Giving Tuesday Sparks program and what I was doing and how they could help me. And I was on there for 15 minutes. I talked about my what I did myself, a little bit about what I do through Sergeant's Army and what I, my message was through my project. And after that, in January, I wanted to continue doing that, which is actually kind of why I started my podcast. And I liked being interviewed of howing, how, and telling how I created my story and how I kind of give back to my community. So I wanted to have others have to have the same opportunity to share their story and have other people listen and know what what they're what they can do to make a difference in their community it's it's definitely super fun like I said this will be my third year and back when I first started my show I actually went into the studio um, to meet with a producer about helping her with her marketing she was just starting up a new radio um, podcast and by the end of the time that she and with no intention whatsoever of having my own show and by the end of our conversation, she said to me, you know, you need to have your own show. And I thought, what? I have my own show. What would I even talk about? But then I went on a show and I was just like you. I thought this is so much fun. I want to do this. <laughs> and then just being able to, like you said, just being able to share other people's stories is just really it's just a fun way to give back also. And I guess that's what some people don't even realize when they think about ways to give back. Lending your voice or having a platform and giving that platform to somebody else is also a way of giving back. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you mentioned the Giving Tuesday spark. So I kind of talked about this earlier about how that's how I met your mom. She was actually talking about your project in a Giving Tuesday Facebook group. So what did, what did that entail then? Cause you started that project, right. And then giving Tuesday reached out to you and asked if you wanted to be a, a spark representative for Arizona. Is that what happened? Yeah. So currently I have my own spark chapter, which is called surgeons army sparks. And I have right now, since it is smaller and I wanted to keep it smaller for a first couple months to get the hang of it, have the board get the feel of what we're doing. I right now have 10 members on the executive board with the plan of branching out. I already have a lot of people in mind of what who I want to branch out to. Currently, I have a lot of people on the board that are very involved in their community like myself. We're all youth. The oldest person on the board is 16, turning 17 in a couple months. But it's really cool to see that we all have different platforms. One of us is uh, involved in the adoption centers. One of us is involved in kind of like what I do. So there's two of us actually on there. There's a couple people that just do volunteers throughout their um throughout Arizona, not specifically in one specific path. But 
it's cool that we all branch together and we all make one big difference. We actually have our very first meeting on Wednesday, which is really exciting. We're going to be making Valentine's cards that we can give out to anyone who we think needs a positive affirmation, anything that'll lift their spirits. So I'm excited to meet everyone. I mean, I know everyone, but I'm excited to introduce all my friends to all my friends because (laughs) not all of them know each other, which is really cool that we're all coming from different parts of Arizona. And I mean, some of them are dancers. Um, I do pageants. So some of them are my pageant friends and some of them are just very active in their community. So it's really cool that there's different people on the board and we all have different focuses. And that's, that's really what I'm trying to promote is like, how we all can work together, like I said earlier, and the more the more of us that work together, the bigger the impact. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Well, so that's really interesting, though, because you had talked about how, you know, you really love dance. And that's part of your, um, you know, uh, not just a hobby, because you actually do do it quite a bit. And, but as far as pageants go, did I see you are, is it Miss Arizona preteen? Yes. So currently I am Royal International Miss Arizona Preteen 2020. And I'm giving over my title at the end of February. But that's it's super sad. But it's exciting because I get to see what the new adventures hold for me. But I also am Miss Utah High School America, which is really exciting because it's a different system. And they're all about volunteering. So is RIM. But it's really cool to branch out and meet new sister queens because we all work together to make our community better. So the more people I meet like myself, the more I like to give back because the more ways I can find to give back, I always, like I said earlier, I like to find a problem and I like to fix it. So, (laughs) Right. And that's what I've always found is really interesting is I've never been involved in in pageants. And in fact, I don't know that even growing up, I knew anyone who was. But one of the things I always thought was interesting is, I guess, from the outside looking in, some people might look at it as just, you know, it's a beauty contest, you dress up and you're scored on how pretty your dress is or whatever that looks like. But you, you know, you actually do a lot in the community um, through through these pageants that you get involved in. Yeah. So pageants, there's like two different types. So I do scholarship pageants, which are based on how you present yourself in the interview room. So there's about a five minute interview that you talk about your service project, a little bit about yourself and anything else the judges can think of. There's a lot of different questions that you get, (laughs) but you also have the personal introduction area of competition where it's a one minute speech about yourself, what you do in your community. And essentially that's what your interview is based off of. So at RIM, we had our introduction and then immediately we went into the interview room, which was an exciting opportunity because I've actually never gone straight back to back. But besides that, you also have the gown competition. So you are in a gown and then you do your pattern on stage. It's, I mean, I've learned a lot of skills doing pageants where I don't think I would have, I would be where I am right now if I, if it hasn't been for pageants. I was a very self-conscious child when I was younger because when I was eight, I was severely bullied. And that's actually why I published my own book, which I hope I get to talk to a little bit later, but um, I got a letter in the mail that said I somebody invited me to do a pageant, and I went to the very first one that I ever went to. I made life lifelong friendships that I still talk to the same people that I was at the first pageant with. I had a blast. I literally that the next day after the pageant, I just felt so much more confident in myself than I was before I went into it, which is amazing because when I like I said earlier I I literally lost all my confidence when I got bullied I honestly didn't think I was allowed to stand in the back of the classroom I thought I didn't deserve to be there 
but pageants kind of retaught me how to love myself and how to be confident in what I do and not let any of the uh, people that don't like me and they don't want me to succeed, don't let them bother me. And the people that are my friends and the people that are there and want me to succeed and be with them. And, but it's really exciting to see like how pageants are teaching other kids, like, and myself skills that we're going to use in the real world. Like I just interviewed someone on my podcast. She's 22. And she said, after the interview, because we're both pageant girls, and she's like, don't quit, because pageants really do help you and teach you skills that you're going to need in the real world, like how to talk to people, how to interview, which I mean, for me, the first couple interviews, I have to say, were very, very rough. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I've learned a lot after doing my podcast and doing a whole bunch of pageant interviews, but it's really cool to see like, how people grow from pageants. Mm-hmm. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. So what would you say then um, was, oh gosh, what did you like most then? Because you said your your reign ends at the end of February with your current title. So what do you feel like you like most about that this past year? So actually with COVID, my reign actually wasn't just a year. I had the opportunity to have 16 months as this oh, wow. title. <laughs> yeah. So I've had a long time with this title, which is super exciting. And I've appreciated every single extra day that I've gotten. But the most thing I'm excited for is really to see what the next adventure I'm going to go to is. I mean, I am giving up my Miss Arizona preteen title, but I also have Miss Utah Junior High right now, which I get to go to Miss High School America Nationals, which is super exciting because every girl that I've met through Instagram and social media has been the sweetest. Every single pageant girl, I I just can't say one system is the sweetest. We're all it's like, no matter what system you're in, you're all sister queens. The Arizona group of sister queens, we all, we, it doesn't matter if I'm a rim title holder, if I am a different system title holder, but it's cool to see that we all come together and we all make a difference in our community. But I'm just excited to see like who I meet and what just happens because if it wasn't for rim, my service project was about my nonprofit. I don't think I would have grown to what it is now. Yeah. And that's just amazing. And then like you mentioned, a lot of those, uh, a lot of those girls that you met um, are now going to be part of your Giving Tuesday Spark program, which is really exciting. And I really like how you said everyone kind of comes to the table with a different background and a different cause that they're passionate about. So you all get to learn from one another and what works might work for your giving project you know, could also help somebody else get over maybe something that isn't working in their project. Yeah, that's, it's really exciting to see, like, I know I said it before, but like, all the people come together, and we all, like you said, have different backgrounds, so we can all help each other grow individually. So on that note, too, I noticed that you also were a Daily Points of Light honoree. Tell me a little bit about that. So I actually became familiar with Points of Light and did went to a conference the year before last. Last year's, unfortunately, was canceled, hoping this year's is still on because it's at Disney World. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm very familiar with Daily Points of Light, but how did you become, how were you picked for to be an honoree? So I was honored with the title of Daily Points of Light number 6899, um, actually on election day. So that was really cool because it was the same day that the president got picked and I was awarded my Daily Points of Light. But I got it off of my work with Sergeant's Army. At the time, I had only donated over uh, 1,400 hope bags, 
which was, it's been an incredible, like I said before, it's been an incredible five months. All the growth I've done through Sergeant's Army, now donating over 3200 um, raising over $22,000 in grants. And I've donated those hope bags to 11 different organizations across Arizona, all the way from Tucson to the Navajo Nation, which has just been incredible. But I got it off of all my work that I've done with my essential workers with the masks and my hope bags, which I've now grown and put more stuff into the hope bags. Very cool. All right. So you mentioned the book. Uh, This is probably the one thing I didn't know about you. And here I've been Insta stalking you for a couple months now, and Mm -hmm. I thought I knew everything. So tell me about your book. Yeah, so my book, which is called Gino and the Monster Bully, I um, wrote when I was 12. And I was part of my platform, which is I have two platforms. So my um, nonprofit Surgeons Army and then my platform for pageants is called Friends Stand Up. And it's all about teaching people the tools they need when they see bullying, what to do, how to react. And if you are the person that's getting bullied, know what to do. Because when I was a, I had no clue what to do. If I could go back and change anything now since I'm 14 and I actually know how to recognize bullying. I would go back and tell my eight-year-old little self, don't stop. Tell people what's happening. Because I, I mean, I told one person and then nothing happened and I just stopped. So I wrote my book to in, to kind of share my story, but not exactly what happened to me. Um, the book is set off a school. I actually use monsters because I had a lot of fun drawing them. I actually drew the very first monster at school. We were doing an art class and I wasn't really paying attention in the lesson. And I kind of doodled the monster and I was like, oh, this would be really interesting as the main character for my book. So I have that monster as the main character. His name is Gino and he gets bullied off of the birthmark that he has on his face. And the new kid from the soccer team comes and he's like, I don't like the way you look. And he just bullies him and he forces or doesn't force, but encourages other people on the team to follow him in his footsteps and just not being nice to Gino. And at the end of the story, it kind of wraps up and says that no matter what your differences are, just because one person looks different than another person doesn't mean that we can't be friends. And that's what I'm trying to get across to the younger kids. So I read to kindergartners who fourth graders, and I give them t- the tools they need to identify it, go tell a teacher, and don't be a bystander, be an upstander. Because like, like I said, when I was eight, nobody else knew what to do. They all knew what was happening. I mean, I'm still in contact with a lot of my friends from back then, but nobody knew what happened or they knew it was happening, but they didn't know what to do. Nobody knew to go tell the teachers because we we're not really taught what bullying is at school. I mean, they tell you what it is, but not exactly how to react, what to do and how to be that upstander and tell a teacher. But I'm coming out with my second book, which is really exciting in the next Oh, I was actually just going to say, I have an idea for your second book, but you've already got a second book. So tell me about the second book. Yeah. So my second book, I do not have a title picked out just yet, but I have a working title, which is it's all about yourself being beautiful. That's not the title, but that's essentially what the book is about. It was inspired by, I wrote it in the middle of quarantine. So it was inspired by all the stuff that was kind of happening and how Everyone needs to accept themselves and others for who they are. You need to respect who you are and respect who others are, even if you look different. I kind of, whenever I talk about it, I kind of bring the analogy that you can't really compare an apple to an, uh, to an orange. An apple and an orange are two different things. And just the same, like any monster in my book, 
they're not the same thing. They're all different. And that's all what makes them beautiful and unique. So this book is geared more towards younger kids so they can understand how respecting yourself is important, respecting others is important, and accepting the fact that just because you're different doesn't mean you can't be friends. It's You shouldn't be based off your differences is why you can't be friends. You should be based off how they react in their soul, which is why that you should be friends. Oh, wow. That sounds like that is going to be an awesome book. I can't wait for that one. <laughs> and little side note. So when my book comes uh-huh. out, every single book copy that I'm going to be selling, 100% of the proceeds are going to my organization. And each book is gives me the um, money to produce one hope bag. So every book that gets that gets bought and I get the money to don't to use uh, one person is going to be having an impact on their life because they're going to be getting a hope bag off each book. Wow, that's super cool. So yeah, every time somebody buys that, they're not just buying a book for themselves. They're actually basically giving a hope bag to somebody else through your organization. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I was actually going to say that you, you should write a second book, but you got the second book. So maybe the third book I think you should write is actually a question that um, I had put this out to my audience. I said I was going to be interviewing a super cool 14-year-old that had done all these amazing things. And I said, if you were interviewing her, what would you ask? And somebody said, what advice does she give or does she have for other kids who want to do something like her? I, so that would be my idea for your third book is to to share your advice and how to get how to get started and do something. But until that book comes out, you can share with us right here. Yeah. So somebody who whoever the, or whoever the listeners are, if you want to get involved in their in your community, the main advice I have for you is find what your passion is. You don't want to be doing something that you don't love. You shouldn't be volunteering just because you think you need to. You should be volunteering because a you like doing it, B, you have a passion for it, and C, you just love the feeling that you get out of volunteering. So I started small when I started volunteering. In Arizona, I don't, I think it's all over the United States, but we have this place called Feed My Starving Children, where that was the first place I went to volunteer. I would 100% recommend going to a smaller organization where you live, and then branching out from there. So find what your passion is and then grow on that passion. So I wanted to help cats and the homeless population. So I took that idea and then I expanded from it. So to sum up the advice, the one tip that I have for everyone is to find your passion and go off your passion. Definitely. Because we're, we're all busy, even as a even as a 14 year old, you're super busy, adults are super busy, everybody's got stuff going on in their lives. So if it's not something that you really love, or that you're really passionate about, it just kind of gets pushed to the side, or it starts to feel like work, or another job, or another responsibility. So I love that, because I'm I feel the same way. There's been things that I've done. And I thought, you know, I'm doing these things as I feel like I should be doing them and I need to do more. And then I just, I didn't, I just wasn't having any fun and I didn't really like it. And then I started to feel bad about, oh my gosh, I must be a horrible person because I, I don't like doing this, but it just, it wasn't that. It was just, it it just, there's other things out there. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, that's really great advice is really finding something that you're passionate about because as much as, um, 
you love working with a homeless population and cats, you know, somebody else out there could love to, you know, clean up, clean up the lakes or clean up beaches or something environmental. Somebody else, you know, might have another passion. There's something for everyone out there. Yeah, 100%. Everyone, everyone can find their passion. It might not be exactly my path, but you, whatever you are passionate about, don't, don't let anyone say you can't do it. Just do it. (laughs) So the other question I got from someone was, what is your message to adults who don't think it's important to give or help, or maybe don't think that they can give or help? Well, I think that all the adults out there, it is so important to give back to your community. I actually had to write an essay a couple years back about if it should be required to graduate high school. And I said no, because yes, it is important, but you shouldn't be forced to volunteer. You should be doing volunteer because you want to. Now, I 100% recommend everyone go out and volunteer. That's just my personal preference. But I know other people do have... They some people say they don't think it's important. I completely do say it's important because, like I said earlier, I I keep saying this because it's the main message that I give out through my platform, through my podcast, and through the Giving Tuesday Sparks chapter. The more people that we can have come together and make an impact, the bigger the impact we can make. And I know I've said it like ten million times on this podcast, but it's it's the one thing that if you if you if you get one thing out of this podcast out of my episode is that the more people that we can have come together and make an impact the greater the the impact but the advice i have for adults that don't think it's important is you might not be doing the right thing like you need to find what your passion is if you don't want to help the homeless population or the cats like i do you need to go find a new path on what you want to accomplish. There, There's always something out there for everyone. And it might not be exactly what you're doing right now, but you just got to find it. And that's, that's, I think, the best advice I have for all the adults out there that don't think volunteering is important. <laughs> and again, there's so many different ways, you know, giving back and, and helping and making an impact can come from a variety of different ways. So it could be being able to donate money. It could be writing a book <laughs> and donating the proceeds from that book. It could be, it could be volunteering. It could be giving somebody that platform to share their story. So there's a lot of different ways that giving back can make a difference. Um, sometimes people just think it's, you know, donating money or volunteering your time. And it can be a lot of different ways. Yeah. There's, there's many different ways to volunteer. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's not just donating money. You, Mm -hmm. you can physically go do something, which is really Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. So I know you mentioned before that you have some big goals for your organization this year. What this, this was another question that came from, uh, from my audience. What do you need help with most in order to do more? So that's a really, really good question. So I fundraise for money, which is my main income to use to use that money to give out to the population through my hope bags. But the one thing that I would say anyone to do is if you go find me on social media, you can find me at Sergeant's Army. It's not spelled the normal Sergeant's Army way. It's S-A-R-G-E-A-N-T-S-A-R-M-Y. Go onto my social media account and DM me. 
in your area, you can do so much. You can donate to your local shelter. You can give hygiene items for that you collect from a hotel. You don't have to exactly go buy in bulk shampoos to then pack exactly what I do. Because, I mean, I've dedicated a lot of time to doing that. And I know a lot of people don't have as much time to do that. So the main thing you can do is go volunteer your time anywhere else. If you just donate a couple shampoo items to your local shelter, that is making a difference for someone. You might not know exactly who, but it is making a difference. And if you directly want to help me, you can always, when my book gets published, the one thing you can do is go purchase my new book that's coming out because your the money that you buy that book is going ex- directly to my hope bags, which is super amazing. Yes, and they can um, go to your website, and we will have that definitely plugged in the show, sergeantsarmy.org, and you have a donate button on there. So if somebody just wants to make a monetary donation, they can do that. If they want to reach out to you and maybe partner with you, I saw you have a contact form on there for that as well. So that's great. And any of the listeners, if you want to exactly know how much each bag is, the bags range between three to eight dollars each, depending on what is in each bag. Right now, our bags are on the more pricier side because it is a little chillier in Arizona. And I'm using that money to put scarves, hats and gloves in each bag and socks. So they have a little something to keep them warmer in the cold weather. Yeah. So I want to ask you, maybe we can wrap up with, so you mentioned that you, that you love to dance. You said you dance, what, 20 to 25 hours a week? Yes. You have have a school, you have a podcast, you have a nonprofit, you're sewing scarves, you're making cat toys. (laughs) So you must have some wonderful time management skills because we all have the same amount of time in a day, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone always says you have 24 hours in a day, but let's face it, you're, you have to sleep and eat at some point too. So you don't really have that much time in a day. So what are some of your time management, you know, and what kind of time management advice do you have for people who think they are too busy? So I have a lot of advice. So I'm going to try to narrow it down to a couple that I think are the most important. So for me, the one thing that taught me time management was finding the time that you want to do what's important to you. If you aren't doing something that you don't love, you shouldn't be spending your time on it. I do go to a half day school every day. So I do have a little more time in the day to do stuff that's important to me. My school is directly dedicated to having kids that are very active in sports go to a school. We get all of our academic hours done, but we have like 10 seconds to change periods, which is super amazing because I get all my academics done and then I go straight to my dance. And then I, when I'm done with dance, I get to go do the stuff through my nonprofit, my podcast and all that stuff. So I also learned my time management skills from my mom. My mom is insanely good at time management and she is, <laughs> she's like my momager. She manages everything. So she helps me stay on track if I forget to do something. She's that little like person sitting on my shoulder that's always like, Ashley, don't forget to do this. So which is really cool. But I also learned time management skills from junior achievement, which is amazing. So junior achievement taught me how to do stuff and when was it when it was important at a activity that we went to in seventh grade. They taught us how to be what role you were. So I was, we interviewed with our teacher on what jobs we wanted to be. So I got the opportunity to be the Wells Fargo CEO at Junior Achievement. 
So I had to, I had to learn what I had to do and then what everyone else at the bank had to do. And then when someone wasn't there, I had to step in and do their job and my job at the same time. So that kind of taught me how to manage both of my time, my time and have their job be done as well as my job be done. So that kind of taught me how to make sure that I find the time that I want to do the stuff that's important to me. That sounds like very good advice. I know that for me, I if it's not in my calendar, it doesn't exist. So I like to write everything down. And there's there's times where I literally write lunch in my calendar. <laughs> so I remember, okay, I have to eat at some point. <laughs> and blocking off time, like you said, finding the time and then blocking that off. And if there's mm-hmm. something there that you don't like doing, then maybe it's time to reevaluate on whether or not it's something you should be doing. Yeah. <laughs> so what is what is in store for you had mentioned before a few goals about your hope bags and stuff remind me again what are some of those goals that you have for your organization this year so this year my goal is to produce over 10,000 hope bags and then give them out to organizations across Arizona my goal that I want to accomplish before July is to have hope bags be distributed in every single county in Arizona. Right now, I have 11 different organizations that I've been giving hope bags to. So I've gone to Maricopa, Gila, Apache, Navajo, Pinal, Coconino, and Pima, and Phoenix, which is uh, where I live. But I'm trying to branch out and have even more organizations have hope bags given to them. And eventually, my goal is to produce like around Arizona, but right now I'm keeping it just in Arizona because I want to see how many, or I want to give out as many hope bags as I possibly can to different organizations across it. But the main goal, which is like in five years or maybe even more is I want to get a greenhouse to then have, to then make food to then donate to the food banks. When I was in sixth grade, I did a science fair project, which was hydroponics. So I got to grow um, lettuce and all types of stuff in water without any uh, soil. Because I mean, Arizona doesn't, I mean, you have to get the right soil. But Mm -hmm. the hydroponics, you can do so much and have so much grown so fast, which is really what I want to see if I can do that when I in a little bit times. But I'll have to get there first. <laughs> I have a lot of goals that I want to accomplish before then, but yeah. Very cool. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I don't know, but if you knew this, but a couple months back, I had Bridget Pettis on my podcast and she founded Project Here in Phoenix. And she actually has a plot of land where they grow vegetables and such. And they they get, sell it at farmer's markets, um, but they also donate the excess uh, produce to local food banks and give those out to people. So you guys should, you guys should totally connect. Yeah, we should. <laughs> oh my gosh, Ashley. Well, it has been so much fun talking with you today. I wanted to wrap up, but is there any last thing that you would like to share? Anything that we didn't get to that you want to... Make Make sure it gets out there. Well, it's not about me, but personally, any of the listeners out there, if you're having a rough day, just make sure that you find something that you want to do. Make sure that your rough day doesn't turn you into a bad mood. Make sure you find something that's fun and just get out there and have fun and make sure that whenever you find something positive, don't don't let that like or anything negative, don't let that make your day the worst day ever. Make sure that you just have a great day and 
I know I've said it a gajillion times, and I'm going to say it one more time. Um, the more impact we can make as a, as a group. So if you don't think your one volunteering hour work is not going to do something, it will. The more people that we get together, the bigger the impact we can make. And the more, the bigger the impact we make, the better the world, this world is going to be, which is super amazing. And my goal is to have uh, as many people as I possibly can join into my project and have as many people start volunteering that aren't. All right. I love that message, Ashley. And for those people, you know, just growing on that uh, theme, for those people who might be a little intimidated or a little shy, um, getting together with a group of people to give back in whatever way possible is a great way to kind of get your feet wet and also. And so not only are you making a bigger impact, but you also are with friends or you're meeting some new friends, like you said, you've met so many new friends over the years and it's a great way to, to really build on that. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, Ashley. Well, thank you so much. This was so much fun. I'm so glad that we finally got to connect and talk about all of your projects that you're doing, everything that you have going on. You are truly inspiring and I cannot wait to see what you do. I mean, you, this is what you've done with the first 14 years. I can't wait to see what you do uh, in the next 14 years or even the next five months or, or five years. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It was an honor talking to you and sharing my story. You've been listening to 3C Amplified, where we share how others are connecting, creating, and collaborating to amplify their impact. And we hope we've inspired you to do the same in your community. Click subscribe and never miss a new episode. And while you're at it, share with a friend. If you are a fellow changemaker and want to build connections, create relationships, and collaborate with others to make positive change, join the online community built to support and engage people like you, wanting to amplify their impact in communities around the world. Visit 3CAmplified.com community to learn more.